Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet podcast, the podcast that's unintentionally feeding fan theories to Reddit. Um, <laughs> yep. But really, uh, like, who isn't? If you're posting fan theories anywhere, you're probably feeding them. If you, I never mind. I I don't I don't know how we anyway. Um, I am John, the Doctor Teeth of the podcast, and <laughs> behind me I have the Electric Mayhem. Uh, we have uh, Animal uh, Chad. How's it going? Yep. Uh, just always talking about woman. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was there was that time and that thing and the end. Hey, banging his face into things. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say you banged something else, but uh, that too. He banged. Yeah. Uh, we've got Charlie Arzut. I can live with that. Yeah, and uh, Dylan Arfloyd. Trying to remember which, like, I, I remember seeing this list and Chad switched between Floyd and Rolf. Or something. I don't know, man. Rolf's pretty, Rolf, you know, Rolf has his own thing going on, too. So, you know, Rolf's, Rolf's pretty good. Rolf's, um, Rolf's got prospects. It's true. I think, I feel like we're going to get some crap from the awesome cast just because they did a uh, podcast on uh, the great Muppet caper, like, last episode like oh you're copying no this was all original i don't i don't or i'm not i'm not concerned anyway like I'm, I'm legit i'm legitimately not concerned i'm just <laughs> they, I'm, can, they, I'm, can, they can need it on this one okay i'm, I'm really just <laughs> hoping for you know clever emails back and forth to the podcast accounts because sometimes i get bored yeah <laughs> Well, so why don't you just start a feud with, say, I don't know, Kevin? That's a lot of work. I don't, and I don't hate Kevin. I, I you like don't have Kevin. to hate him to have a feud with him. But there's nothing I want to feud with him about. Well, have you even tried? No. Exactly. We'll, we'll never get anywhere with this. Uh... How can you say you've never hated him if you haven't tried? Um, Try putting forth some effort. Ah. Uh, Slacker. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, we 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 missed last week. Uh, circumstances beyond our control. Um, so we got tons of shit to talk about. Uh, Comic Con's going on this weekend, and you know what? I don't know that I particularly care. <laughs> I just don't. Well, uh, you know, it's hard for me to get excited about you know a two minute trailer for a movie coming coming out in 2016. It's just I'm not gonna do it. Well, I think personally, my my reaction is more that I don't feel like like, yeah, like I care about stuff that's coming up, you know, in the near future, not stuff that's way out there. Um, And to be fair, if you're listening to the podcast, I feel like you're probably getting our best content if we're talking about stuff that uh, we have consumed as opposed to stuff that we are are anticipating. So by us not talking about comic con, you're welcome listeners. I don't know. There, there is some stuff that I'm looking forward to, but that's, you know, okay. Uh, There's a whole bunch of stuff that you're not. There's stuff that I'm not. There's more stuff that I'm not. (laughs) Sure. You're not uh, just a cranky old man. Are you sure that has less to do with comic con than with you? (laughs) Wow. True. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I 
I look more for announcements about new stuff, not stuff that's, you know, already been announced. So it's like, we've known about the Warcraft movie for probably a couple of years now. And, oh, now they have a trailer. Well, big fucking what to do. It's still, you know, two years before that movie comes out. Well, so I don't care of, about 15 seconds of actual footage. Well, speaking <laughs> of trailers that, that people actually care about, this is one that seeing the trailer is actually a good time because it's a sign that it's finally out of development hell they finally they did have a trailer for mad max fury road huh i'm a big fan of the franchise i i i've been anticipating this and it looks pretty good and And a big fan of leather and sand and deserts at the very least at the very least they managed to capture the the feel of the road warrior man my dogs are barking i don't know about anybody else <laughs> well chad's down <laughs> man down man down <laughs> oh that's delightful it really is you you fellows Everyone are a delight him. Did I? You're a delight. It's true. All you An fellows, afternoon delight. All you fellows are a delight. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Get your hands up. But You're under arrest. <laughs> Sorry, continue, Chad. Uh, I was going to say, Fury Road feels like it, it captures the feel of the the franchise pretty well. And... That's a good thing to me. And it certainly looks a hell of a lot better than some of the other stuff that they... Is is Mel Gibson in it? No. Well, isn't he Mad Max? No, he's... Someone else is Mad Max. He's really more disgruntled Max. He's more just insane now. (laughs) He's drunk and anti-Semitic Max. Exactly. (laughs) He has not aged well. He's aged just fine. He's just kind of going a little off the deep end. Yeah. And in the wrong I mean, way. I mean, he looks great, great for a crazy old bigot, but you know. Yeah. But the uh, the like Donald Sterling. Yeah, I hope I look that good when I'm a crazy old bigot. Wow. That's uh, maybe not something to shoot for. I mean, it's just me, but. Technically, I'm only shooting for looking good. True. But, uh... I live in the South, so the rest of it is something I just figure kind of happens whether I want it to or not. You get old, your mental faculties start going, you you stop... You start rambling conspiracy fo- theories about Jews. And watching <laughs> like Fox Mel Gibson. Yes, Fox Geezer Syndrome. It is well, di- uh, well documented. Yes. But, uh... And I've 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 got a history of Fox Geezer syndrome in my family, so you know my doctor says I need to be conscious of you know things that might be in my genetic history. Yep. See. But anyway, this is this is akin to <laughs> heart disease, diabetes, Fox Geezer syndrome. No. <laughs> wow. Those are the things you have to have to worry about what? family history on. Mm-hmm. What was that? No shame. We just had a 
I think I just had a glitch on this end here. Something dropped. But uh, anyway, I, this, this is it's kind of big to finally see a trailer because this is one that people have been that they've been kind of hashing out. Will it actually be done or not? Will it actually be made for 15 years now? It does seem kind of crazy to, you know, to revisit Mad Max just because that doesn't it's not like revisiting Indiana Jones or revisiting Star Wars like or revisiting. Oh, wait, or revisiting Planet of the Apes. That's a reboot and reboots are so common. I just assume that they're going to happen. But anyway, I know, but that's Mad Max was a good series, though. Never saw any of the movies. Really? Seriously? Are you surprised? Isn't this like a common theme for me? Like, I didn't see the movie. Come to think of it. Kidding. We'll fix that. Well, we'll fix about Red Wagon. It's been about 10 minutes more talking about Mad Max than I ever wanted to, but okay. Um, I'm just saying. How how long does anyone ever expect to talk about Mad Max? When is it Uh, ever a bad a bad thing to talk about a great franchise. Fair enough. Well, uh, anyway, there was that one time. Should, should we talk about the stuff out of comic con that doesn't look so good? The uh, rest I mean everything like, else. Like what? Oh, there's a few things. Oh, oh, by all means, enlighten me. I'd love to hear um, it. Mike Tyson. I will not have you disparage Mike Tyson's uh, mystery adventures or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> Damn, I, I will I will take a million uh you know Mike Tyson Scooby Doo bullshit things over any uh Mad Max two thousand fourteen remake. What? Here's the deal. I'm just saying this to protect you from Mike Tyson. We're... Because he will show up and try to eat your face off. He'll eat your children. Or Let, your let's just pretend whatever. that he's not a cannibal rapist for a few minutes. No, there's no rape. You'll want it. You know what? I I don't want to want to spend any more time topic. on on Mike Tyson on this podcast right now. So uh, uh, next, yeah, next. Uh, they I hope he does solve every mystery by biting people or punching things. They need to at least make a reference to it, but that's they probably that's will because about the only that's that that's going to be the one funny thing to come out of the series. Oh, there could be a lot of unintentionally funny things. <laughs> like Mike Tyson voice acting. Yes. Yes, please. Ooh, I don't all of that. Tolerance for pain is high enough to find that funny. Yeah, that's that's no. going to stop being funny. Yeah, but you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. Um, it's never not going to be funny. Keep continue. Yeah. The uh they did show a few pages of a preview for Steampunk Battlestar Galactica night. Uh, why? My issue with this is they didn't just call it Battlestar Galactica 1880. They called it 18. Steampunk. Yeah, I know, but you'll like this. It's steampunk, right? Not, yeah, I know. It's it's it, like they're they, they. It's like you said. They're they're really trying very hard, but considering that they are making a reference to Galactica 1980, something that people don't want to remember. I, I think there's a common theme between you not you not liking Mike Tyson's mysteries and references to Galactica 1980. People are doing it. It's 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 a form of ironic humor. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but irony is overrated. It is. 
I don't know. I, it looks like it could be cool, and I'm. I like, I, I don't because there's not anything about it that is Battlestar Galactica, and the basic concept could translate very well to steampunk. I mean, you've got options of you know you can have a seagoing battleship, uh, steam-powered Cylons. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, but the thing is, <laughs> those are Cylons, some gassy Cylons and. You know, or or zeppelins, you know, and have the vipers as biplanes, that kind of thing. But there's no sign of of a galactica. There's no sign of vipers, and the Cylons are building sized giant robots. That so this don't so it's really look steampunk at all. So I'm guessing someone had a steampunk story and then went to the people that own Battlestar Galactica and said, "Here's what I want to do. I want to give you this truck full of money." All I want are two words. Battlestar Galactica. That's the thing. The art is more 90s Marvel than anything resembling steampunk. See, it should have been 80s Marvel, which would have made a lot more sense. But there's nothing even vaguely steampunk about the designs. This it's this like, is the thing where they the had original this... series outfits and add goggles. That's all there is to it. This is the thing where someone had a title and they just applied it to the first thing. They might have. Like they, like they saw, oh, it's in 1880. It must be steampunk. I Don't worry. I don't need to read the story any further. We're going to title this. Yep. I like mean, this title and content do not seem to be matched at all, according to it, uh, based on what you're telling me. Well, the fact that I, I think what gets me, number one, it, it doesn't. The look is not particularly steampunk at all. There, there's not really any retro elements like that. Like I said, it, it seems to be gears heavily, and goggles is what you're saying. They've got a few goggles, but no gears. So nothing to do with it's steampunk. Like nothing shitty, to do with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it, it's more like the shitty original series. Well, okay, the costumes are kind of like out of the shitty original series. Oh, and because it's ba- rooted in the original series, Starbucks a guy again. You know, if we can just title shit whatever we want, regardless of what's in it or what it's about, I'm gonna start calling myself I don't know Max Penis Power. <laughs> you know, if I can just make up shit, Rich McBig Penis. Yes, I expect to be called Rich McBig Penis from now on. I'll send you uh, the uh, name change forms. Good. Good. I'm going to have samples sent to your house with that name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm requesting all mail be sent to Rich McBigPenis at ChainsawBuffet.com. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. We'll still get it. <laughs> awesome. It is true because we've got a catch-all. I forget who the catch-all Catch all may be set to me. Awesome. Nope. Please send all emails, correspondence requests to Rich McBigPenis at chainsawbuffet.com. Uh, so good plan. So anyway. Uh, anything oh, else from uh, Comic-Con that you want to bring up? Should should we mention some of the the uh, Transformers exclusive toys? Uh, I guess. Go for it. Anything good? It's... Uh, well, it's the uh, Knights of. Let me let me. Let me Knights of Tirnanog. 
No, it's it's Knights of Primus. Let me see. Wow, that's that's a it's reference. The there, Transformers eighties hairband. Um, what? It's what? The, it's the. Uh, hang on, I'm getting the link for you. There's a. Uh, it's Optimus, Megatron, Jazz, and Soundwave as an eighties hairband. <laughs> Well, and, of course, jazz is in there. This is a nice it, thing. It's the it's the uh, War for Cybertron and Fall for Fall of Cybertron toys with wigs and instruments. I didn't think you could get more eighties than Transformers, just oh, in general. You, what you is most eighties? And and it, it's wrong. Of Unicron. You crush your enemies. It's them as a as a as an eighties hairband, and it is. Depending on who you talk to, either awesome or horrible, and it's it has a little Do backstory. Guitar, yes they they included animated Ratbat and Laserbeak as the instruments. <laughs> it is a thing to behold. So good. Um, and it has the story of the band and their egos and how they broke up and got back together. Of course, because it's, it's an '80s hair band, and it comes well, with a and and it comes with a a record. Wait, really? What? Yes, that's kind of cool. It is ludicrous. Can can you actually listen to the record anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Is it like an MP3 download I, somewhere? I, no, it's as a record. I assume that they probably have a digital copy somewhere, but. Get that on Amazon and iTunes. <laughs> you know how many copies of that you will sell? One more than ones. I care to admit. But yes. The fact that, um, let me, let me get so there. good. The uh, yeah, it's Optimus with hair and uh, zebra pants, zebra striped pants. As you do. And it includes the the con. It includes the uh, concert wow. posters. Yeah, it is a thing to behold. Wow. Well, so much effort. I, I as the uh, so much effort for what the hell? As the cat and that uh, you know Warner or yeah that Warner Brothers cartoon where the flea is carrying the dog off on a platter said, uh, "Well, <laughs> now I've seen it all, and now I'm going to pull a gun out and kill myself." Exactly. Those cartoons were dark. Yep. So, everyone's had more Hitler in them. What? Yep. Nothing. That's also a fact. Not pro Hitler, Dylan. No. That's where Dylan's thinking, and because he's racist, and it's okay. Clearly. We still love you, kind of. Just a little. Sorry, bit. I just, I just assume um, all white people are, you know, racist. I guess you are uh, such a bigot. No. Anyway, anyway Comic Con. I've done. That, that's about all I've seen. All right. Um, a lot more than I have. Bad and the rest. Yeah. I don't know. All all the interesting stuff on actual factual comics came out the week before, where they talked about you know, black Captain America and female Thor. Um, True. 
So shout outs to them because they just made two very boring characters much more interesting. Um, yep. What I like. Is, were, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What I like is um, the, the article I read on the, the new Captain America. You know, it is a big deal that they are putting, you know, minority characters in, in these uh, these roles. But what was even better was the article was like, oh, and actually, you know, this is an established character and it represents a change in tone for the character. And so it's not just like, look, we put in a token minority. It's actually, look, we actually changed the character in an interesting so way. So the Falcon's actually interesting? Yeah, they, there's a difference between having Falcon assume the role of Captain America versus what they did a couple of years ago in Ultimate Spider-Man, which was having a, uh, a, a Hispanic, Hispanic kid. Yeah. A random no-name Hispanic kid who didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that. that they're diversifying, but at the same time, it didn't have quite the same impact because it was essentially a new character, you know, just taking yeah. on that mantle. Yeah, so, and, yeah. Uh, and if, if they had started Ultimate with that instead of, hey, let's kill off Peter Parker and introduce this random new kid who's going to be Spider-Man, it would have been much more effective. Yep. At actually showing, hey, we're we're committed to showing minorities as heroes to having a diverse lineup. Well, well, no, what I was getting at was not just that that they're they're diversifying the lineup, but they're not just doing this to diversify the lineup. It's just it's yeah, not just one of those cases. Eh, it's like Captain America, except he's a different race. It's like no, he's actually a different character, and there's more that we're changing. But like the big, you know, the attention grabbing headline is obviously the racial element. But there's yeah. so yeah, much more the about the character change. Yeah. Though, as someone did point out, he uh, is not the first African-American to carry the Captain America name. I remember someone pointing that out, too, but I don't remember. Like back in this was, and I'd never read it. But yeah, it was like 2003, 2004. I think they did a limited run comic. Um, that it it sort of borrowed a lot on the like Tuskegee experiments and a few elements from like Muhammad Ali's life. It, it touched on several different things. It sounded actually really interesting, but yeah, essentially that after Captain America, uh, after Steve Rogers became Captain America, there were some scientists who were trying to replicate the, the, the super soldier serum in the U S and were basically experimenting on African-American soldiers, a lot of whom or most of whom died as a result. And then you've got this one guy who becomes who, who it works and he kind of becomes, I don't, I don't know the exact details of how he carried well, the captain American name. And then they, yeah. and then they put, they, they kept, it wasn't like, it, I think at first it wasn't going to be, but, it is like official canon. It is in the official continuity. Well, yeah, they've already established the the way that works is with Captain America. They've already kind of established that in the mainstream when when Steve's frozen since World War II, that there are other guys running around taking up the mantle of Captain America in the meantime anyway. Mm. And so it, among them, I think the most famous was Bucky, but that. Uh, there, there have been others anyway, and so I think that sounds like an interesting way of tying it together. Mm-hmm. And then the the bigger, I think the bigger outrage was over the Thor thing. Yeah, which, which is which is even 
it to it's me even going. makes even less sense because it has definitely for a very long time, maybe since the beginning, been part of the Thor continuity that Thor is not always Thor. Well, this that, is not. Yeah. As that whoever whoever holds whoever can can wield the hammer will gain the powers of Thor, and there have been people who weren't like born Thor that gained the powers of Thor once they came into possession of the hammer. And, and this again, it isn't even the first time they've done it because yeah, has wielded the hammer. And it, and really, if you really and if you want to see something excellent, if you go back to I think it's the seventies, you can find Thor fighting a Mexican wrestler <laughs> named El Toro Rojo. No, so go look that one up. Now there's and, and and as somebody said on Twitter, this is not Thor becoming a woman. This is a woman becoming Thor, which is a yeah. whole different story. And yeah. Thor becoming a Disney princess. Technically true. You know, yes. technically oh. that is true. Yeah. Or yes. is the son of a king. Wow. Marvel owns Disney. Well, Disney but, Marvel. Some but again, you're not, they're get, you're, you get the powers of Thor. You don't like become Thor in the sense of you don't take on his personality. I don't think. I think it's just you gain the powers. Well, you're talking Shakespearean so English. So. Yeah, I guess it's more. Maybe it's like a adopted Disney princess. I don't know, but holy crap, that's that's going to be fun. There's some crossover potential there. Oh man, I want to see this at a Disney park. I want to see someone dressed up as Disney Princess Thor. Please, well, yes. People said the same thing when uh, Disney bought Lucas, and you don't, as far as I know, see like uh, Leia dressed up as a Disney princess, so... And let's be honest, that's a damn shame. Yeah, yeah that, but I'm that would be hilarious. At this point, at this point, it's only a technicality. We can do it. Let's make this happen. There's no reason not to make this happen. Come on, America, you can do it. I believe no. in you. Maybe we're wishing for the wrong thing here. Like, we're wishing for... Disney to visit upon other franchises, it's a uh, little fantasy kingdom, you know. Uh, What's wrong with that? Uh, just saying, maybe maybe we should. What's wrong? We should wish for less of it. Nothing in general, maybe, but maybe you should the, articulate. You know, the way Disney does it, it's always. It, do, you, do you find girls icky? No, no, it has nothing to do with Maybe a the, little? the gender. It is the it is the um, the cooties. No, it is the fact that like Disney has all you know like princes and princesses and maybe maybe no, there's not really very many Disney princes or princes. They don't. There's, no, there's always a Disney, Disney prince because every I, I princess always has to have a un, until the last couple of Disney movies uh, always yeah, has but, to have an associate. I'm pretty sure there's only one prince and his name is Prince Blandheim. Yeah, yep. I mean, clearly, it's the same think, guy every time, except in, like, you know, like, a I reverse your problem. story, like, Aladdin. It's what? I think that's your problem. What's my problem? No men. The men there are enough Disney princes that anybody gives a shit about? Is that, your, is that your problem? Are you one of these men's rights activists? That is not. I was just making a joke. I'm. I'm. Was it a joke? Yes, it was, and I'm not willing to commit. You know, in every joke, there's an element of truth. Yes, there is, and it's mostly that, like, oh, 
<laughs> anyway. I don't know. I, uh, no, I know. Is, the fan is what the element of truth was, but I, I'm going to continue to let you guys carry the podcast with stuff. I don't you know, know anything about. So tell me about the new weird Al album. I don't, I know very little about the album, but I have been, I have been watching the videos. I'm, I have watched a little bit of them, but I, I've watched most of them I have at least three times. Mixed, I have decidedly mixed feelings about this. I have the same kind of feeling. I, I can't tell why. Um, it's one too damn old to get any of the references. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's got a lot of like, when we were in the car yesterday, John, like you turned it to a radio station that was playing blurred lines. And I was like, Oh, that's that, that one weird owl song. I can't remember. I don't know what it is, but I know that I've heard it. Right. And now like weird owl is giving me context to horrible songs that I would never want to know about. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I've especially because of the controversy around that. Song. I've hit that point where I don't, I don't know any of the songs that he's referencing. Yeah. I, I have really mixed feelings because I think it's great that he's still relevant and still making music and still entertaining people. But I feel old because yeah. I don't get any of those references and I'm not really, not really willing to expose myself to shitty music just so that I can get the joke. I, I think I'm kind of the same way in that I don't get the references and also like my style of, humor has changed as well as the way I consume music, I think has changed. So I'm kind of like, yeah, this is all kind of goofy, but you know, I want something different. You know, I want, I want something a little less goofy. Um, I still like it. And I, um, one of the interesting things is this is supposed to be his last studio or, or last full album. Um, and that's because I think he's fulfilled his deal with, Yes, his contract. This was the last album of his contract. And so what he said is not that he's going to stop making music. But he's just going to put it out as singles as he makes it. Yeah, singles and EPs, because really he's trying to keep pace with, you know, like what the Internet has allowed anyone to do. Yeah, and it's better and you can just put out one parody. You don't have to wait until you have enough for a whole album and somebody's forgotten the song that you're pairing. Exactly. But the thing is, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, th- I think that'll actually, I'm That's hoping, but I think it will work out better for him just because I, I he can keep more currents. I definitely think it is. The thing let me, is, let me, let me ask the important question. Is there a parody of turn down for what? No. Okay, then never mind. Continue. You're not buying it. I don't think yeah. you have to have a parody of turn down for what, because turn down for what is its own parody. He may put one out as a single soon because. It, it may be too recent. There's that time lag. Remember? Also, it's, it's going to be hard to parody a song that has so few words. That's yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that, see, I parody. see that. He's going to say one word over and over. You you say it's difficult. I say that's that's artistry. I mean, that's that's really. <laughs> well, it depends on how he for. like. If you notice how he works, it's not necessarily to make a point. It's not even necessarily to make fun of the original song. He always like picks some weird theme that's kind of innocuous most of the time mm-hmm. and does a gag about that. So it's it's really it's something different than what the Internet is going to do. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it would be really hard to do. 
I've I've really enjoyed the all the videos. I, uh, luckily, take that as a challenge because with the like with his last album in particular, I sort of I I was in the same boat as you guys that I didn't know a lot of the original songs. Um, but luckily, thanks to Daryl and the fact that she lives in a place with very few good radio stations, I had actually I think heard all of those songs. I'm sorry. Um, so I was, from, but here's the thing though, as, as, as much as I generally have not liked those songs, it has given me a much deeper appreciation for Weird Al. Um, and because of Weird Al, now if those songs come on, I have words that I can replace those words with in my head. Yes. Um, but I've, uh, so I, I, I actually really liked all of them. And then the ones that have been style parodies. And actually it was Dylan that pointed this out that while the, like the song parodies have all been very recent songs, um, the style parodies have tended to be older. Uh, and I don't know if this is indicative of the entire album, but um, I know first world problems is like a pixie style parody. Um, lame claim to fame. It was a Southern culture on the skid style parody, which I ne- I would have thought that was way too obscure for yeah. him to for it to be on his radar. That yeah, this is what I should uh, parody. But I he he does a really good job in making their style. Um, oh, what was the one, Dylan? Um, the last one that they, that he released. Yes, is a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young parody, and I think. Because I, I listened to, like, we had, I think, so far on cassette tape when I was growing up. And I listened to that so many times. And I think it's basically a parody of Sweet Judy Blue, Blue Eyes, which it's hilarious because if you listen to it, you can see that they're playing with everyone in the riff, every one of the riffs in that song. And that is a song that covers a lot of different genres. So... It was so well done. Kid asking what a cassette tape is. Yeah, but the video was also awesome because it was one of those whiteboard videos that, like, you know, the people who are into like TED talks and big ideas and things Mm -hmm. like that do. So it's it just like it fits with the, you know, a bunch of business buzzwords, which is what the song is about. Um, It's just it's perfect, and and really, that's I, I think that's where I would go with this album is. I'm less interested in his parodies, but his original stuff is great. And I do wonder, and I've got no evidence that this is the case, but I can't help but wonder if that was a, if it was a very deliberate choice on his part that if he was doing parodies that were all very recent songs, yeah, um, that his style parodies would then play on much older bands so that regardless of whether or not you're coming up with with popular music, there's still something you can enjoy. So there is something for like older fans and younger fans. Um, if that is the case, I, I think it was really well done and a really good choice. But again, no, no evidence that that is the case. But I can believe that it would be. And the videos were okay. really good too. So anyway. Okie doke. Um, Dylan, something that you brought up, oh, it's been a couple of weeks now, um, that you were talking about the 
uh, new sequelitis video on Zelda. Yeah, Mike actually well, pointed me to that. Yeah, um, I finally got around to watching that. And, uh, well, Dylan, go ahead and, and talk a little bit about the video. Um, of course I like it because he's basically, he's comparing Link to the Past to Ocarina of Time as a successor to the original. And mm. it's, if you like Ocarina of Time, you're not going to like the video. Um, if you like Link to the Past, you're obviously going to go like, yeah, right on. This is what I've been waiting. He even says <laughs> halfway through like, yeah, I just badmouthed Ocarina of Time on the internet. I'm going to get crucified. <laughs> um, but it's it's really interesting because he, he does a good job of explaining um, some of the fundamental design concepts that makes a Zelda game a Zelda game. And if you if you watch the uh, the Castlevania or the Mega Man, it's that sort of thing. Like he's actually getting into he's not a game designer, but he's getting into some uh, game design concepts that like we as kind of, you know, um, gamers can understand. And, mm. and I think it's interesting because I agree with pretty much every point he makes, maybe not the way he makes it. Um, he does talk about like, you know, Ocarina of Time has a low weighting. It's artificial difficulty. Um, Ocarina of Time has a lot of, you have to go talk to someone and read a while of dialogue before you can go exploring. And what you really want to do is go exploring. You know, that's all you really want to do. And he actually has that same issue with um, like Link to the Past actually tells you where to go and in what order. And it sort of takes away from that. But um, and he, of course, bashes on Skyward Sword, which is fine because I wasn't too impressed with that. Um, hmm. I don't so know. Really, I'm rambling. What, Go ahead. Really, what I really wanted to talk about from this video had nothing to do with um, the Zelda games whatsoever. I mean, I I don't care for the 3D Zelda games, but um, it, at least in terms of what I think a Zelda game is, it, it, you know, something in there just doesn't, you know, translate for me. And I think it covers a lot of it. But um, that's really not what I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about. Um, something that you mentioned, Dylan, um, the idea of having to go and you know read this wall of text before you can go to this other place and uh, you know finally go exploring. And he talks about you know the slow page turn, you know about how you have to go through all this crap just to get to the next thing in the game. And it really started to crystallize some ideas in my mind that I've had for a long time and stuff that I've mentioned on the podcast about how I don't like certain. Uh, types of games and how I don't mind linearity in RPGs and things like that. And as I was watching this video, it's, you know, I started to think about it a little bit and it occurred to me that what I like isn't necessarily a lack of options of exploration because um, I like a game like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which has a lot of exploration elements to it, but it incentivizes exploration in an interesting way. And, you know, the, not just, uh, new items, new abilities, but you know the way that you can get uh, alternate endings and extra characters and stuff like that. But um, really, I think what it is is that um, I don't like for there to be a lot of mystery as far as what I'm supposed to do next. Hmm. Um, and Dylan and I, we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier today. Um, you see this a lot in games. 
where especially 3D games with a lot of exploration, you'll see something that you're not able to get to. And in a lot of cases, they'll, you know, they'll be like, well, I wonder how I could get past this dot, dot, dot. You know, I need I need something to break through this wall or mm. you know, something like that. And the problem I have with that is having is to remember all of, those things. Exactly. Because, you know, you finally, you know, maybe an hour, two, three, four, ten later, get something that will allow you to access that area at the very beginning of the game. But by then, you've probably seen half a dozen uh, places mm-hmm. like that or more. And um, this is one thing, as weird as Lightning Returns was and as wonky as it was in some respects, it actually had a very interesting system in that you could put pins on the map where you could remember where stuff was. Because you, oh, know, you really? always had to, Yeah, because you always had to go back and look for stuff later because, you know, you're completing all these, you know, various missions and stuff. Huh. And it started to occur to me that, yeah, that would have been useful. Uh, I mean, I, I know, you know, there are technical limitations because some of these games that we'd be talking about are yeah. you know, decades old and whatnot. But, well, but it, think about it too. When you were, when you, when you were playing those games, when you were that young, cause you, someone could say, Oh, well, why didn't you just, you know, make a note of it when you were that young, when would you ever thought, Oh, I'll go grab a pen and paper and write these down. My, my thought on this, and this may be, you know, this may be unreasonable, but my thought on this is that, if you are requiring me and we're, you know, we're talking about something other than wizardry or, you know, some of these old PC games, if you're requiring me to sit down with a pen and a piece of paper to remember shit, you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, there's just a fundamental lack of, you know, any kind of design concept. Like I'm going to put something at the very beginning of the game to tease you about something that's coming up later, but I'm also not going to, you know, either naturally bring you back to these places. You know, I'm going to try and make you remember it so you can get this fucking quarter heart piece. Yeah. Back you in know. my day, they were whole heart containers or they were nothing. No, because they started that shit with Link to the Past. They did, but I'm saying original, you know, original yeah. Zelda. Yeah. yeah. I, I always say the, the pieces of part of yeah. it, it's one of those. Oh, you know, we we've only got you know, eight hours of content. Let's stretch it to 16. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these heart containers and we're basically going to take the number of things that you have to collect and multiply it by four. And, and so that's going to, that's going to add three hours right there. And then we're going to make you do some dumb bullshit fetch quest at the end of the game. And that's going to add another couple of hours and then we're going to make this last part just really stupid hard for no reason. The the part <laughs> the problem I've run into though and this this is with me starting to play Wind Waker HD on Wii U is with Zelda because progression is done through I- gathering gear and items. There's really not a lot of things they can give you for side quests. Like if I play Skyrim and I do a side quest I might get an item out of that. That might be something interesting that I could use in, you know, crafting or something like that. But, you know, or I may might get a title, I might get a house, whatever. In Zelda, if you do a side quest, all you can really get is hearts or rupees. And so yeah. it kind of disincentivizes you, which is good because at some point I need to go like just finish the game. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's my point is I don't mind if you put exploration in the game, but make it easy for me to remember, you know, the stuff that I explored and why it's significant. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And always let me know what it is I'm supposed to do next. Because I know in older games, and I grew up with these games, um, there are sort of limitations about what they could do. So a lot of times you were dropped into stuff and not really having a clear idea of where you're supposed to go next. But anymore, I just really don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I don't like, game. yeah, pretty much. I, I don't want to, uh, for, for the game's narrative to tell me that I need to go do something. And then at least not, either explicitly or just in the general natural flow of the game, have me, you know, point me in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, not, and then I can choose whether or not I want to go in that direction immediately, or if I want to dick around and do this other stuff. In a, in a similar vein, do you, and I don't remember which games did this, but I know I really want to think at least one of the final fantasies did this early on, um, where there would be like secret passages but you really couldn't see them. You just had to walk around the walls of rooms and to see if you like sank into them. Yes. Yeah, and then you could, like, walk forever and find a chest and the chest might actually have something really interesting in it. Um, like it, 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 it's one of those other things that feels like this really artificial, like maybe, maybe they programmed when, when they, when they wrote the game, it's one of those things like we want people to just stumble across this. And for those that stumble across it, you know, it's going to be this really great aha moment. But what it what it ends up engendering is this. Well, here's an, going through this dungeon. Now we're going to artificially uh, increase the game by now every dungeon or every tower building, whatever I go into, I feel the need to a smash everything, uh, hit A or B against every surface, or walk against every wall just in case. Yes. Yeah. See. That's the stuff I hate. I don't mind that they put stuff in there. So it is, you know, like that clever little aha. And then, it, you know, it incentivizes you to explore. But I don't like it when it's a requirement to advance in the game. Yeah. To be fair, though, I, I had a lot of free time as a kid. And so I'm pretty sure at some point in the original Legend of Zelda, I bombed every section of wall that could be bombed just to see if there was a secret cave. So Exactly. Yeah. And, this, and, this, and this is... I guess my criticism of it is even if it is, let's say even if it isn't um, necessary for the game or important for the game even, and and you're just trying to, you know, a nice aha moment, the end result is if you hear about it or find one, it then turns you into some obsessive compulsive monster that has to try everything against everything. And then it's like playing Zach McCracken. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting is as I've been playing wind waker, I'm noticing a lot of these concepts that he's talking about in that, that game. And actually I feel like wind waker goes back and does a lot of the things that I really love from, uh, Zelda and link to the past. Um, but no, you're like, you're both right. There's, there's kind of this balance between telling you exactly where to go and not telling you anything. Um, and I feel like, like Skyrim, like I really like because it always tells you the next place to go for a quest. Well, almost always. And it, it, that makes me feel good because like, I'm not missing something. I know exactly. I'm not wasting my time. I know exactly what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but at some point it can kind of feel like you're on rails you contrast that the opposite of not having any clue where you're going, needing something like Nintendo power to tell you 
and then it just becomes frustratingly, you know, just confusing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like something somewhere in the middle. And because I think both of those are important. Like you don't want either extreme. Well, I think uh, in general, you're right. I mean, it, it's a fine line. I mean, but you, I, it's, it's definitely a spectrum and and you can certainly go way too far in either direction. Yeah. Like exploration is an exploration if it's on rails. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Skyrim, exploration gets you to the place where you take the quest, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily, like, you're told exactly where you need to go, I believe. What I like about Wind Waker is it tells you, like, when you first get past, the like, the first three dungeons, it's really annoying because it is exactly what he talks about in the video where you have to talk to this person and go through all this dialogue and all the scripted content mm-hmm. to go where you, you know, to, to be able to explore. Um, but then when you get there, the first two places that are marked on your map are the, the next two dungeons that you have to go into. But when you get there, it sends you back to this other place, which sends you back to this other place, which, you know, like you have to go mm-hmm. like two or three steps and each time um, it's just, you know, one of the fish uh, that updates your C chart telling you, we'll go three squares this way and two squares that way. And then you'll find the item that will let you do this. And so it's which kind of by, a nice. Which, by the way, is some old bullshit. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, just the, OK, go here now. You know, Simon says go here. Simon says go there. But it's not. And, and now, now we're going to give you that thing you need to advance. But it's. It's rarely that easy. Like the the fire and ice islands were obvious. That, that that's even worse. I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it. It was slightly. It was. It reminded me a lot of the old school King's Quest, except the combinations of items made sense. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that's like. Again, all of these things exist on a spectrum, and I'm not saying like more exploration is good. Less, you know, more of one particular style of exploration is good, but. Um, I did find it interesting, especially that, you know, that he talked about Link to the Past. It sort of hurt when uh, Mike brought this up when he was mentioning the video. Like, yeah, he brings up, you know, like Link to the Past doesn't have as much much exploration because it tells you which order you have to do the dungeons in and exactly where they are. And it feels like, in that sense, Wind Waker is even slightly closer to the original Zelda. Uh, oh. Hmm. I, I think well, the in, real... here's the thing, though. The The only difference is that um, Link to the Past had an a in-game map, but still, when you in the original Zelda, when you entered a dungeon, it said level 1, level 2, level 3. Now, yes. theoretically, you can take them on out of order, but it to still an you know, had an explicit, you know, statement of this is where you should be first and you walk into level eight and you're like oh shouldn't be here (laughs) yes i I think that was the point like that was at least the point mike made in his reading of that video was like obviously there is some guidance but the guidance is not explicit just like in wind waker there is some guidance but the guidance is not like let me mark these down on your map in the exact order and I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing, but it is the opposite of Ocarina of Time, where it's like, man, I really want to go explore Death Mountain, but I got to talk to a bunch of people first. 
Well, I think the the takeaway here for game designers is don't assume your your uh, players are geniuses, and don't assume that they're idiots. Yes. Well, fact. And I'm going to go back to the uh, the the video I mentioned. I think last podcast that uh, from Va- Jason Vandenberg. Like, don't ex- assume that your players are anything like you. Um, and so, you know, provide that range. Yeah, it's it's of not going to be. Yeah. And what, what seems intuitive to someone is not going to seem intuitive to yeah. someone else who's not part of the, the thought process behind creating it. But I do. I do agree with John. Like with modern games, there is no excuse why, you know, if you're going to have these sorts of puzzles that you don't give your players the you know, the access to the notes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be, to be fair, like there's not, there's a little bit of exploration in uh, bravely default, but I think it's a good example of how not to have the wall of text. Like there's definitely plenty of flavor uh, of discussions. The characters will have for flavor, but it's always optional. Hmm. Uh, anyway, um, one last thing and we'll get to recommendations. Um, Dylan, uh, you noticed something with, uh, with our Sifu Kisu interview recently. Go ahead and talk about that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I looked at the, the download stats and we hit, let's see, let me, let me just log in. We have had 553 downloads. Really? Yes, of the Sifu Kisu interview, and the next highest since I've I've turned on stats on Amazon S3 is like 36. Um, now I I do believe these are inflated because when uh, he linked to these on Facebook and Tumblr, uh, he did so directly to the MP3. So anyone who is, you know, thread, yeah, like well, not necessarily, but anyone who's doing like a running like a, a web crawler or something like that is you know if they follow links they're gonna hit the mp3 download still still and again like facebook and tumblr accounted for i want to say like 40 or 50 of that no i was reddit i want to i want to interject something here now i would be very very proud of that interview um regardless you know, bra- breaking out of uh, the way it did because if, if any you know, if there's one where I can say, yeah, I'm kind of proud of how that went, you know, like the one with, with Sifu Kisu and the one with uh, Sifu Manny, those were both tremendous interviews. We talked about a lot of, you know, just really interesting, deep shit. And again, that 40 or 50 hits that we got, you know, primarily from Facebook and Tumblr, those are all him saying, here's this interview I did. The yeah, other which- hits that happened like a week ago... Which uh, you know, and shout out for him for for putting that out there. We yeah. really do appreciate it. Um, he's a, he's a very cool guy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Dylan, continue. Um, but again, the reason I'm recognizing a lot of these refers is I'll see them popping up because I typically check download stats more than I do actual website stats. <sighs> Apparently. A link to 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 this interview hit the front page of the Last Airbender subreddit. Oh no! Huh? Did you did you not see this email? No, I don't read emails. 
Okay. I'm a busy uh, adult with many important things to do. Lies. Um, okay. Uh, let me read to you the the uh, the post. Um, I was looking at Sifu Kisu's interview at Momocon, and in it he talks about the concept of the five elements. I went to do a little research on the elements and learned about Gadai. In Gadai, there's a fifth element called Ku, which translates to void. According to this, those who attended are tuned to void. This is a link to something else. A link to the past. Um, (laughs) Those who are tuned to void are able to sense their surroundings and act without their physical senses. One of Lagima's poems says, let go your earthly tether, enter the void, empty and become wind. One of the Avatar extra bubbles said, rumor alert, some even say the airbenders aren't gone, but instead they've learned how to become wind. Discuss. And I sent you guys this email and it just, we had this like, wow, we hit like at the time 200 downloads Hmm. And yeah. I just provided the link. Yeah, we can just file this one under missing the fucking point. <laughs> Thanks, <Pretty> Reddit. <laughs> Whew. I actually wonder, I haven't checked in a while, what my, because uh, the the billing for S3 always costs me like under two bucks a, a month. Let's see if this is how this is going to change things. 2.30. Okay. Reddit. It's fine. It's fine. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you know, like break the bank here. Uh, well. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's a so, yeah. It was kind of funny because you're reading that and you're like, well, Buddhism talks about this concept of void. What does that... What does a concept... Uh, and it's a fag, you know, fucking... Uh, yeah. A... Uh, a, a a long and well res- a long lived and well respected world religion has this concept. What does that mean to my favorite TV show? Yeah, um, Ooh. I don't see a problem with that. Just to go back though, the the other thing I noticed, uh, there was another thing I noticed about. Uh, assuming we're done with this topic, yeah, I'm, I'm done because <laughs> we we word that out on email. One thing I noticed about uh, Wind Waker recently is Nintendo has been doing like, I really like the Miiverse thing, because usually like social networking, it's like eh, this stuff is stupid, you know, like <laughs> most posts just like make me frustrated or, or or I just ignore them or whatever. But in Wind Waker, I will go pick up that little sparkly tingle bottle because you know, I'm you know, don't want to miss a, an item collection in a uh, in an RPG. And those, you know, and those bottles are essentially Facebook posts. In me, huh. it's insane. Like just that one little twist changes how I view social networking. Anyway, you're a weird dude. I am. <sighs> so recommendations. What have you guys got for us this week? I recommend looking at the trailer for Fury Road. All right. And I recommend watching rewatching The Road Warrior and or Beyond Thunderdome. Or watching in my case, I'm assuming. Yeah. You want right. to see a I midget ride the, the back of a of a simpleton? You got it. Two men enter, one man leaves. So, Dylan, what you got for us? Um, I've got 
Uh, first, I want to start out by addressing one of Chad's previous recommendations, uh, which was uh, don't eat nitro Takis. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. They are spicy and sour and very little else. <laughs> Fuego Takis are awesome. I'm going to contradict that. Yeah, but at least they don't taste like spicy fruit, uh, fruit loops. They do taste like spicy <laughs> They do fruit not. Loops. Anyway. Um, Did you guys try any of them? Did either of you try any of them? Try either no, of those? I did no. not. Consider yourselves fortunate. They do, however. I never will. They they have like the Cheetos dust on them, but it's a particular flavor of red that if you accidentally wipe <laughs> them on. It's a particular flavor of red? Yes. yes. Red. A ah. particular color of red. That if you no, no, no. I think you may have been right. If you wipe them on your clothes, you will look like you've been bleeding. Like. That's yeah, awesome. There. You can take those into work with you and be, you know. No. Um, my actual recommendation, though, is uh, Sake Confidential by John Gottner. Um, picked this up on a Right Stuff sale a while back, just because a lot of times I'll look at, you know, like if they've got a bunch of printed, um, you know, books and stuff, I'll look at like the the nonfiction type of stuff instead of just the manga. Um, but I, I picked it up primarily because I really enjoyed the sake tasting panel at Hamacon. Um, mm-hmm. And my notes from that are always sparse because it's really hard to take notes on Japanese terms and that. Yes. Um, but this book, it's you really like if you're, if you're looking to um, learn how to buy sake, it, you really only need to to read the first half of it because that's more about the product than the the industry in general. But it kind of goes topic by topic uh, through the wor- world of sake, um, and it's kind of a nice refresher course if you've been to like a sake panel or something like that. Um, and it, it, I haven't I haven't yet bought any since reading the book, but it makes me confident that I could go into a liquor store and, and buy sake with some. Um, some clue what you're doing. Some clue what I'm doing. Because uh, the last time I did it, which was several years ago, it was just I bought. I didn't go for the, like the higher end stuff, and that was a bad uh, decision. Um, and and that's kind of interesting well, because he says ninety percent of the time you can buy on price because um, it's usually fairly priced. You know, the higher price is going to be. Um, better and if you don't remember anything else from the book buy a ginjo um, because that's like the higher quality uh, based on uh, the the way he explained it was based on the way they mill the rice the amount they mill the rice Um, well my life is best described as a series of bad decisions yeah Um, it's in some places it's a little conversational for my taste, but I really like the way he writes this because he, he, I think he works in the sake industry. He lives in Japan. Um, he enjoys kind of a broad spectrum of sake, but he's, he's non judgmental about it. Um, so it's not like, ah, well, if you don't like, you know, this. he recognizes that cheap stuff is there for a reason. Yes. And actually, well, he, he, he does point out that you should buy a Ginjo um, if, you know, just if you're not looking to learn anymore because it's going to be a little pricier than like the, the um, I can't remember what 
uh, the, the lower grades are. Um, but what's interesting is then when he goes in deeper, he talks about, um, you know, well, but actually if you go into the lower grades of sake, there are interesting things that there are interesting tastes down there. You know, if you kind of expand your palate and, and are willing to try it. And, and so it in some of up for cheap, what? And it gets you liquored up for cheap. Well, yeah, but that's that's not his point. His point is like, again, he really enjoys all of sake, and he wants people to be he wants people to be able to he buy just it. Likes well, anything with booze in it, but to not necessarily. <laughs> it's actually the the way he writes though is actually kind of uh, the way I want to approach like my board gaming panel, which is panels, which is like, yeah, I know my tastes are pretty wide, and not everyone. Um, is going to like what I like, but at the very least, like if I can get you to understand what you like and to explore that area, then I've done my job. So it's, it's actually an interesting read just for his writing style. But if you want to know anything about sake, it, it's a really good guide. Hmm. Well then, uh, Charlie, what you got for us? Um, if I had to recommend a thing, and I do, um, I think I would recommend, was it called Quiddler? Yes. It was a game we played last night. Yeah. It's a good game. Yeah, it's, it's been a day. Um, but it's a, it's a very fun game. It's basically Scrabble and Rummy put together, and it's surprisingly easy to spell dirty words. Yeah. Um, where did you pick that up? Um, I actually picked that up at, um, sci-fi city. Okay. You may so, be able to find it other places. I you, can't, like, you I can swear. definitely find it at target. Okay, good. Cause I was, I was about to say, I swear I've seen it somewhere. And the only place I've been recently to look at board games, uh, has been target. So targets getting a, a better selection of that kind of thing lately, but I've been very happy with target. Maybe I should, maybe I should recommend target. If you want to get into some board games, target is the place to go. Maybe, or, or your friendly local gaming store. Yeah. But if you don't have one, but if you don't have one and you're just wanting to, you're, and you're not, and they don't have like too many that are of the super expensive, super complicated games. They have have some, you would think. Yeah. I mean, they have some of them, but, it's it's they 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 carry a decent selection like you know it's it's not just one thing they're moving uh, up scale yes and 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 there's a and there's a and there's a a good range of prices too depending on what you're wanting so from from like the very basic kind of like stuff that you'd find at Walmart on up to stuff that otherwise you'd probably only find in gaming stores um i mean and they not routinely, but there have been several times that I've been in there and happened to catch their clearance stuff. Yeah. Because uh, they get, tend to and, cycle through, it sounds like. Yeah. So I was able to get uh, Tsuro for half price last time. And uh, Dylan, you got Tsuro and Forbidden, Forbidden Desert, Desert, which I've not even read the rules to yet. I, I do. I do think it's interesting that they're carrying this because a lot of it, I know I first really found out about it when they started sponsoring tabletop season mm-hmm. one. 
And I kind of wonder if that's kind of a, I don't want to say a minute, a bubble, but kind of like a miniature bubble of like, ah, oh, it was big for a while. And now we're going to go back to, uh, we've kind of covered all the basic, you know, gateway board games. And now, you know, even if they do, yeah, I mean, I, it was a good thing. Yeah. It's like one of those things I have no problem with. Um, because I I can at least say it was good while it lasted. And, and, and I don't know what their markup is on it. I don't know how much they move. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know if this is actually profitable for them. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't have gaming stores anywhere close to them and may have a target much closer. So, you know, maybe I, 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 I kind of hope it's working for them because I hope they'll keep doing it. And it's not like they're underselling, because as far as I know, they're not underselling the game stores, you know, yeah, any, any other brick and mortar. They seem to be keeping things at like MSRP. Yeah. So unless they'll, you're catching it on clearance. Yeah, they'll or, discount things if you catch them. Yeah. Just right. But, but that's the same as a game store. So really, they're on a, I, you know, I'll give them some respect, in, 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 unless I'm missing something, they really are kind of underselling of, of, you know, of competing on a level playing field with any other brick and mortar. So it really is oh, a yeah. case of, yeah, it, this can save you some time if you're nowhere near a, a normal game store, but you have yeah. a local target. So, and you don't want to, otherwise you could order online. There's a lot of good places, cool stuff. There are, there are market. Um, but I, I do kind of wonder what the, you know, how that's working for them and how that will continue working in the future. Well, I'm assuming they must be making some money at it because they've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. So to some extent, I get, I'm guessing it is somewhat profitable. I mean, I hope it's profitable if they will continue doing it. But Yeah, my, my point is I, I'm not expecting them to like expand out in the future. No, no, they've got no reason to. I mean, they've got I am I am often surprised by the amount of, of shelf space they commit to board games. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Um. But if you look at it, because it's in the toy section, and if you look at the toy sections at, like, Walmart, Kmart, they're kind of generally kind of sad. Like, it, yes. it, it seems like more often than not, they're in the middle of, of uh, reorganizing the entire department. Like, there's always, like, one section of shelving that's completely bare, because something at some point's about to go in, or, or they're just, like, reorganizing the entire thing, or... I, 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 I often, I mean, I'm guessing again, it must be profitable for them, but it's not too often that I see like stuff just flying off the shelves there. Like board I mean, games it, or something. Well, no, not board games, but just toys or... in general. So well, maybe the that, board that's games. That's one thing being a collector, uh, just, just to quickly interject this, you can't really tell how well something's doing because it's on the shelves. It could be still on the pegs because stuff could still be on the pegs and on the shelves because it's selling and they're putting out new stock all the time. Or it could be sitting there because people aren't buying it. There's there's really not a way to tell if you don't have the actual sales numbers from the store. I'm almost positive in Kmart's case, it's just they're not selling it. They're not selling anything. It's Kmart Kmart. and there's crap in the aisles and they have two bucks markup on everything. So Yeah. What's, What's interesting though, like even Walmart has at different times sold some like there's a uh Catan family edition that that you can buy at Walmart now. Um I know they 
carried the tie-in games for Hunger Games, which I actually tried a couple of those. And District 12 is like a, you know, baby's first agricola or baby's first worker placement. And, um, you know, they, they actually have some some more complicated games occasionally. Yeah. So it's that, not... Thanks for, thanks for reminding us of agricola. Oh, I I enjoyed it. It, it's, it takes it's a couple of it's everything that you think a game about farming would be. <laughs> Except for the dying of dysentery. Wait, you're thinking of Puerto Rico now. Regular farmers don't die of dysentery, generally speaking. Uh, Oregon Trail. Yeah. But forced agriculture, on the other hand, carries with it a lot of... Uh, I, I will give... Agricola this much credit and not one bit more. Ah. It doesn't have the uncomfortable implications of of Puerto Rico. <laughs> Agricola is except more... for the whole you can keep one animal in your house thing. Yeah. That's a little unsavory. Agricola is just a a more complicated worker placement. Anyway, I think we've extended yeah. Charlie's. Uh, yeah. No, I'm good. I, I I've I've recommended two things. So next week I may not recommend shit. I think I'm. Or I'm you'll make up to, something. That's what I'm like, like, like you normally do. Yeah, exactly. That's no different than that. <laughs> usual. Keeps turning. Yeah. Tide goes in. Tide goes out. Magnets. How the fuck do they work? Yeah. Follow the money. Um. <laughs> So for my recommendation this week, um, it comes from a former guest. Uh, Daniel McRae played a bit part on the show, um, which got me to looking at because it is available both subbed and dubbed in its entirety for free on uh, Viz's Neon Alley site. So um, the show is called Gargantia. Um, I would say it's a giant robot show, but there's really only one giant robot fight. And... um, most of it is it's kind of sci-fi. I mean, you know, you have a giant robot, so you kind of have to be sci-fi, but it's mostly like the anime version of Waterworld. Um, it takes place in this future setting where humanity has uh, left or abandoned earth, uh, because, you know, we fucked it up and, uh, again, we we're li- yeah, as we do. And we're living in space. And we're fighting these uh, squid-like, you know, space creatures, you know, space squids, whatever, it's fine. Um, (laughs) But in this war against the space squids, uh, one ensign uh, crash lands on this uh, uncharted planet. And I think he goes through a wormhole or something that takes him, you know, millions of light years, thousands of light years away uh, from from his fleet. And of course, that planet is Earth. Of course, course. sir. Um, it is. So it's it is. Farscape meets Planet of the Apes. No, it's there's there's no Planet of the Apes because you know there are people there, like you know actual factual people. They've been living Did on. Uh, people. Yeah, they're apes. So no, they've they've not evolved into you know humans. So Great no, they're not ape people. Personhood. Whatever. Um, point being, uh, society of people. Uh, Dude is stranded there with them. Uh, there's some uh, culture shock. There's some learning adjustments because he comes from a very militant uh, society. And they're very, hey, we're living on floating garbage. Uh, so, you know, everything's kind of cool. 
And it's just a really interesting show. It is kind of tropey. Like there's a lot of like once you see it, you immediately, you know, recognize, oh, yeah, I've seen that in like four other shows. But it's at least done in such a way that's interesting. Um, It is a fun show. It's only 13 episodes, so it's a short watch. Um, I knocked it out in like two days. Um, But it's fun. Uh, It's 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 just a fun show. It's. And it's free, so it's not going to cost you anything. So I, I say check it out. Cool. Okay. All right. Does anybody else have anything this week? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, peace be with you and also with Black Captain America. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>